Hello to my ACB family. This is David Trot Treasurer. I am asking your support for my re-election. Please put me on the team that's working for a brighter future for ACB. I look forward to meeting you all at the Candidates Forum. Today, ACB has completed the launch of a new Alexa skill called ACB Media that will now replace the previous ACB Alexa skills. To access the new skill from your Alexa-enabled device, first enable the skill by saying Alexa, enable ACB Media, and launch the skill by saying Alexa, open ACB Media, and then select the stream of your choice. For the full list of stream names, please visit https colon slash slash www.acbmedia.org slash home slash streams. Opinions expressed on ACB Radio are those of the respective program contributors and do not necessarily reflect views held by the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Good evening and welcome to Tuesday Topics. I'm Paul Edwards, your host, and uh, I'd like to thank Larry Gassman for streaming this evening. And uh, Rick is lurking somewhere in the background. I'd like to welcome Cindy Laban and Gardenia as our hand raisers this evening. So welcome, Cindy. We're glad to have you. Thank you. Happy to be here. Excellent. So... Tonight, we're, as, as we often do on Tuesday Topics, taking something of a risk in that we uh, put out a notice, in fact, two weeks ago the first time, and then over the last week twice, uh, asking you guys to think about some things that you think that ACB ought to be doing that it isn't, and, and not, just, not just little tiny things like I... I, I well, I may get a call that says, you know, I think that, that ACB ought to uh, select a particular color for its shirt. That, that isn't, for me, a, a major kind of dream-type thing. It may be for you, especially if you're Carla and want to stock just one item in the mini-mall. But if, 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 if you take what I'm looking for seriously... What I'm hoping to hear from folks is areas that ACB is not paying attention to now that we ought to be. So, for instance, um, it might be that folks will say uh, we are, as an organization, uh, ignoring some of the really important needs of folks who have low vision or of folks who are totally blind or of folks who have guide dogs. And if you would expand on what we're doing that makes us be doing that, then you'll be more in line with, with what, what I was thinking about when I put this evening's show together. Here's the, here's the idea, or at least the core of the idea that I had when, when I put this idea together. I thought we would spend the first part just getting a, a, as long a list as we can of, um, of those areas where we need to work. And then after the first hour, those uh, collected here would get the opportunity to um, talk about some of the ones that, that I guess I, for the most part, will determine 
um, are, are good ideas. And well, because for an idea to work, we have to figure out ways that we could actually do it. So what I thought is we would collect ideas during the first hour. And then during the second hour, we would pick up on some of those ideas and talk about how ACB might actually make them not just ideas, but actual realities that ACB is getting involved in. So that's the idea. That is the objective. And in a minute or so, uh, I'm going to ask Miss Cindy to start recognizing those of you who have your hands up. And before we do that, I will ask Cindy to go over the various methods that are out there for hand raising. So, Miss Cindy, the floor is yours. Okay. Well, from the computer, Alt Y to raise your hand. From your app in the center of the screen of your app screen. And from the Mac, to raise your hand is option Y. Excellent. And from your, one more. And from your standard or button telephone, it is star at star nine. And you have some raised hands already. Excellent. So who is the first okay. person up? Okay. Jamaica, you may unmute. Hello, Miss Jamaica. You've become a regular. Glad to have you. Yes. Um, this is uh, Jamaica. Uh, and I have a um, an idea for the um, resolutions committee to think about for uh -huh. um, for future resolutions for people that are that that are that are that are um, that are not able to actually um, call or actually be able to do by email. Um, just to send in resolutions, and I didn't know whether this would be a, 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 a good idea for a resolution or not um, to put into the resolutions, group of resolutions, and I'm just having a really hard time trying to put it, put it together, but, I'm, but I wanted to ask this question to you, Paul, uh -huh. um, about seeing if we could have a resolution that had that had it where the resolutions committee could at least um, for those people who needed needed someone to actually um, to have it where they could have it where people would dictate their resolutions to to a person um, rather than just rather than just having it as straight um, having it as straight emails emails from uh, you know, from people that don't have email and don't know how to get in contact with the people um, on the resolutions committee. Um, I just think that's something we should really uh, we should really think about. I don't think there'd be any problem um, with it, Jamaica. I know when I was chair of the resolutions committee. Um, I talked to all kinds of folks on the phone and got an idea of what they wanted, then wrote a resolution um, based on what they wanted, and then contacted them and went over the resolution to get their approval. So 
Um, and, 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 and I think that's really the way that the ACB resolutions committee does it now. Um, if you, if you wanted to make it mandatory that it happened, then it's not, I mean, you could do it with a resolution, but that wouldn't have nearly the power as, as making a change in the bylaws. If you wanted to do that, that probably won't happen for another year or two. But, but I think that, um, if you or anybody who you know, um, would like some help writing a resolution, if, if you, um, uh, if you just call the national office, if you don't want to do anything other than that, uh, using their 800 number and say you need help writing a resolution, they can get hold of someone from the resolutions committee and that person will call you. So I think it's pretty easy. And, um, you know, use the 800 number for the ACB national office, which is, of course, 1-800-424-8666. And uh, just ask them, um, would would that meet your needs, Jamaica, or do you think we need to do more? I I think um, I I think I think I think that that would that would I think that would that, I think that would help uh, maybe this lady that that wants that wants that wants to write a resolution. I was supposed to be involved with writing the resolution, but I just I just thought there was there's way too much happening in my life right now and I can't and I can't help I can't help the lady I can't okay. help the lady write it so so just have just have her call the 800 number and indicate that she needs help and and then either Gabe or Jill who are the co-chairs of the resolutions committee um, will get in touch with her and and and, and I'm sure will help her write the resolution Okay. All right. That, thank you so much. I don't. I don't. I don't have to be worried about all this. Thank you. You, you do not. Thank you, Miss Jamaica. Miss Cindy. Uh, Connie Bateman, you want to unmute, please? Miss Connie. Okay. Hi, you are. There you go. Hi there. Well, I'm not quite how, sure how to put this, but. I joined ACB as a student and now I'm a senior. I would like to see more mentoring going on. Like I would like to see those of us who are older and have been in the organization for a while, reach out more to mentor the younger folks, like people the, from the student group and people from next generation, because they're the future of our organization. And um, I think we have a lot of life experiences and wisdom to share with them. And I think they have some interesting perspectives to share with us as well. So I would like to see us, I guess, provide more, more mentoring to the younger folks and also to work with them collaboratively. Does that make sense? It does, but, but tell, me, um, tell me a little bit more uh, about, um, about why mentoring seems to be a good idea. Well, because maybe some folks are new to ACB and don't quite understand how things um, operate and, um, you know, what they can do to contribute to the organization, what they can do to advocate for, for some issues that we work on. I don't know. I'm not, I'm just, okay. I know. I, I, does that make sense? It does. So stay, stay around for the second hour because I suspect your idea may make it to the second hour and then 
you're going to have to tell me um, what we need to do to make it happen. Okay, good, because I need some time to think about it. <laughs> Very good. All right, right. Miss Connie, thank you. All right, Miss okay. Terry, Ms. you may unmute. Da da. I'm back. Da 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 da. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I've got a couple of issues, um, a couple of very brief ones, and one that I think gets a little more complicated. Uh And the first one is that I would love to see us put an 800 number in for people, the people who are listening to, for instance, a stream for the convention um, that have to call in because they don't have access to broadband. Um, you know, I think it's, uh, is it Zelda? Somebody's been talking, one of the people from one of the Dakotas. has been talking about a woman who spent $15 to listen to the convention for 15 minutes last year. Why we can't have an 800 number for them. You know, we've got an 800 number in Minneapolis. I'm not sure that that gets even used that much. But if there was some way that we could bring in an 800 number for people to be able to call in who don't have broadband, I think would be a great idea. Um, I, think- I, I think it'd be an interesting idea. Um, I think it'd be pretty expensive. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm suspecting it would be, but I don't know that. Maybe um, because I, I haven't know. investigated. I don't know if it, would- it, it, was, it was 15 or 20 years ago because we, we looked at it during my presidency as an option. And, and it was just way too expensive. Yeah. I, but I mean, right thousands, now, we- thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars. Yeah, but right. Telecommunications have changed so drastically since Oh, I think so. And we have two 800 numbers now. Yeah, yeah. um, I think it it needs another look. I think it does does too. So stay tuned for the second hour. And your your other idea? The other one, I think think um, we've got to start looking a little bit more at pedestrian safety than we have been. But And my third one that I expect somebody else is going to come in on the pedestrian safety one. My third issue is I think we need to start looking very carefully and very honestly and openly at our outfacing view of ACB. Um, Things like doing the Facebook and YouTube and that. We need to look at that very carefully, I think. Let's go. Let's go back to pedestrian safety. Why do you think it needs to be relooked at now? I mean, we have a pedestrian safety manual it's being rewritten now um as we speak what else do we have to do because right now as we speak throughout the country we're putting uh uh, places things like floating bus stops and bike lanes in right now not a year from now when some when a book comes out about it it's happening now it's happening i just saw a thing where there are 60 new bus lanes um, uh, between bike lanes and separated bus lanes going in in four different towns in Massachusetts, for instance. It's happening as we speak. It's happening here in Silver Spring. So tell us, tell us what's wrong with a, with a bike lane. It depends on where the bike lane is. If the bike lanes are up and down the center of a street, there's nothing wrong with them at all. But if the bike lane is between the sidewalk 
and the bus stop, then there's a problem because you're having to cross that bus, that bike lane before you can even get to the bus stop. And because of the non, the, the low level of volume of a bicycle, it's much more potentially dangerous to people crossing there to get to, and, the, to get to the bus stop. And, wh- stop. <clears throat> and what's wrong with, um, and what's wrong with floating bus stops? They are not near the sidewalk. That's the point. They are out in the street. And in many cases, they are in, in, are designed in such a way that you're not even sure where they are from the sidewalk. If you're walking down the sidewalk, somewhere along on your left, you're going to need to cross the bike lane and then get to the bus stop and then figure out which end is which of the bus stop. And the bus stop would normally be a shelter or a or, or In just many a sign. situations, I've actually seen it with the shelter on the sidewalk and with the shelter out at the stop. Goodness. They, 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 there's no, there is no consistency with them at this point. I mean, I'm almost thinking that what we really need to be doing is much more work on the that manual for you, you know, the manual for uniform traffic engineers. Traffic yep. engineers. I'm trying to remember yeah. all the, the letters to it. Um, that kind of thing, because that's where so much of the issue is lying right now all right so i've got i've got enough to know that this will probably come back in the second hour so stay tuned now talk to us about the outward facing notion of acb utilizing various um media don't i think it's good that we're doing that i think that we're going a little over the top with the video portion of it um maybe it actually over the top it may not be the right term i think it's much more that we're not using video to our best advantage um the you know i've looked at many of the videos that we've put up many of the zoom lives and the youtubes for instance and the to a sighted person what they're seeing is someone who is not making eye contact with them oftentimes is someone who is who has maybe a severe um discoloration or what have you of their eyes blindness is the biggest fear in the world for the sighted population it's also and what i don't want to see us do it's also a great great tool for getting contributions for those poor, helpless, blind people. And that's what we do not want to see at the same time that we are touting our independence. And I think that that's not, I'm not sure that we're handling the video anywhere near as well as we could be. You know, if you go back and look at in years, years gone by, we had a great, a great guy who used to Ken, and I can't remember his last name, who used to do all of the photography at the convention. And he would take that into consideration and take maybe a slightly further away shot. 
a little bit more of a wide angle shot that would still get the message across, but wouldn't be homing in on somebody's white film all over their eyes or, you know, or a major discoloration or something that's going to, we need to be careful of what the message is that we're giving people. So how would you respond to the notion that uh, only 10% of the population that are members of ACB are actually totally blind and that 90% of the folks who are out there have usable vision and that not to utilize video, good, bad, or ugly, is to deprive them of one of the major components that they expect from media. I am not saying not to utilize it. I'm saying to utilize it smart. There's a major difference there. And keep in mind that 90% of our our membership is totally blind. Is is that really Uh, true? You think? Let's put it this way. I don't think it's 10%. I think it probably is fairly close to 90%. That's at least... That's at least functionally totally blind. Yeah, I think I I think there's more than a majority of us who are totally blind, but I don't think. Yeah, I don't, I don't know think, that it's. Yeah, I don't, I don't think it's, it's close 90 to ninety percent. No, I no, don't think but so. I, that's it, because that's where we get into the whole thing of what. Where's the cutoff point? That's such a muddy line. Well, it 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 is, but I'm I I am, so. Do. Do we say to some blind folks, um, you're too ugly to be on video? No, we <laughs> no, we don't. We, we absolutely do not say that. What we what we do is we look for a way to make that person features more. Um, Acceptable. I don't want to say more appealing. Yeah, yeah, that's right. yeah. I'm trying not to. Yeah. You know what? I'm, I'm starting so, to say it Like, give them dark glasses to put on? Some people who have serious uh, or significant eye appearance issues do still wear dark glasses. Sure. I, ha- I happen to live with one. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Um, All right. You know, so and stay- we know several others, um, you know, that the, our immediate past president, as many years as I've known her, I've never seen her without her dark glasses. A lot. That's that's another whole issue. You know, that's one of those t- conversational things. It is. Um, but but I do think that we what we want to do is we all I'm getting at is what we want to do is we want to portray regardless of someone's appearance. It's their in, their independence, their abilities. Those that's what we need to be able to portray, and we don't yep. want to. I don't think we should be um, turning people off to it that way. I, I I get all that, but it's going to be interesting, and we'll see what other people say. And we'll also need to talk about how we would implement this during this during the second hour. Would we would we set up a uh, a, a, a group called the video police or what would we do? <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, I think there are some very simple 
fixes. You know, yep. maybe I'm more oversensitive to this because my very first Christmas gift that I ever remember was a photograph was a as a camera and mm-hmm. a developing kit. My father was was had graduated the school of journalism at Boston University and he was a photographer and he brought me up as a photographer. So maybe nice. I'm more sensitive to uh, more aware of it um than you know than many people would be. I don't know. Thank you, Miss Terry. We will talk to you during the second hour. So don't disappear. I won't. And think about think about how we do this because because as I say, an, an, an idea that can't be implemented isn't an idea. It's a waste of time. All right, Miss Cindy. Okay, um, 1508 ending in 613. You may unmute. Hello and good evening. My name is Jane Perry and I'm from Falmouth, Massachusetts on Cape Cod. Um, I have have three things that I would like to address. Number one is I love ACB. I just rejoined. I've been in and out of the Bay State Council for the Blind for many years. And um, I'm an older person. But my biggest concern is I would like to see an awareness campaign triggered at doctors to have information in their offices about rare syndromes. Now, I have a rare syndrome of retinitis pigmentosa. And I connected with three people on an ACB call. And one of them knew somebody that I was on a panel um, back in 2015, and I haven't seen or talked to her since. So I think there needs to be more information out in the physician's offices, not only just about macular, that's for people who are older, but about the hearing impaired, visually impaired individuals and people that have rare syndromes because there is pending research out there. That's one issue. The second issue is being an older person, and I know you're doing an initiative, um, because I attended a legislative seminar, about low vision aids being paid by Medicare over $500. Um, I just received a very important piece of technology from the Mass Commission for the Blind that has changed my life. I have practically lost all of my vision three years ago to retinitis pigmentosa. At the age of 63. And I have a now a talking text to speech screen reader from Optolect. And I can read my mail, I can read recipes, I can read the back of a box. It's life changing. And I think that we need to get not only low vision aids, but also talking things into the hands of the older folks that don't want to lose, that don't want to use computers don't have the money to buy computers or technology. And the last now, one is kind of now are you, are you are you able to use the the uh, the large print portion of the Optelect device as well? It doesn't have large print. It only talks to you. Really? Okay. An Very good. Speech to talk clear clear reader. Very good. Excellent. So, um excellent. And, and the third, and the third point is and then you can ask me any questions you you would like to entertain. Very good. Um, I'm a I'm a I'm an advocate for the older people. I've been doing this for a long time, and I do a lot of public speaking and a lot of advocacy. So, <clears throat> and I think I know of you. <clears throat> I don't know if you live in California, but anyways, um, I, the other thing I, I is kind of like segued into Terry's, my friend, concern about um, 
public safely for people who are visually impaired or totally blind. And I have served past on the Family Transportation Management Commission, and we took me 18 years to get an audible, accessible pedestrian signal. And we just put one in after I was involved with getting a regular crosswalk where there's two older housing developments, and now it's audible. And also about roundabouts. Yes, we are doing another initiative about the paratransit, but we have to think about safety in our own neighborhoods, in our own villages that build a neighborhood and build a city or a town. And roundabouts do not work for people who are visually impaired. And we are going to be rewriting the PROAG, which is the Public Rights of Way Access Guidelines, and also what she said, the Uniform Standards of Traffic Signals. But are we actually going to be involved with that? We need to be involved with that. You've got a great transportation environmental committee, and I hope to become more involved not only in my local affiliate here in Boston, but also nationwide, because you have talked about a lot of things that I keep talking about, and people don't understand until they start to lose their vision or lose mobility. So Excellent. Thank you for listening. So, and Jane, happy to any questions you'd like to ask me? Stick around to the second hour because we're going to talk about. I most about, definitely will, my sweetheart. We're we're and and I'll probably invite you and Terry to come on and talk together about public safety. So stay tuned. All right, um, Miss Cindy. Penny, you may unmute. Miss Penny. Suspense. Sorry, it always takes me a long time. They moved it again. I'm sorry. Hey, they always um, oh, do. Hi. Hi. I'm good. <laughs> I'm good, too. Um, I want us to get back involved with rehab again. Um, we used to be involved in rehab. A few years ago, they uh, eliminated the home homemaker closure. And we just said, oh, okay, that's too bad. But we haven't done anything to advocate for a change in that. Um, and more no, specifically... We, I, we, I wrote, think we, we wrote resolutions. We did that. Um, we, we might have. Well, we need to do more because <laughs> people aren't learning the skills they need. You have to have a vocational goal. You have to be under 60, I think, to have a vocational goal. And um, I'm a new member of our. I, I used to be a member, and now I'm a returning member to our state rehab council. Uh -huh. And when I went to the strategic planning session two weeks ago, I found that they are happy with under 50% of closures for cases that they handle each year. And they told me that that's a trend across the country. And they seem to be perfectly satisfied with that. And I thought that was terrible. Um, when you say under 50%, what do you mean? So they have a, so they have a case of, they have a hundred cases to handle and mm -hmm. only 48% of those people find jobs and everybody else is uh, closed without, um, with as with a, a non unsuccessful closure. Very good. Um, so um, we used to talk about consumer choice. Um, they still pay lip service to consumer choice, but I was the only consumer representative on the panel. I guess the NFB guy had uh, resigned a few months ago, and they haven't replaced him. But there there was only one consumer person on the whole the whole at the whole, and it was a three hour meeting. Um, I don't know. I just think 
they were very proud of how well they had done under Zoom. And, and I imagine they did do very well with Zoom. Um, but I don't think they can be proud of under 50% successful closures. Um, it's 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 um, pretty high. It is. Uh, as as It's pretty high as compared to most other states. <clears throat> if, so if, if other really states getting... are like at 40%? Or, or less. Or less? And oh, yeah. what's the point of folk rehab? Because all these people are not getting served. Well, that's, <laughs> that's, that's another question. But, you know, if, if, if you compare what's going on with you and what's going on in, in, in Florida, let's say, um, I, I would say that probably 45 to 47 percent at least of our cases are, are, are unsuccessful closures and, and it, and it, it, it may be over 50%. What, um, and is the AG, is the agency content with that? Um, we as a, as a council have, have required them to, um, to provide ongoing, ongoing reports, but we, we haven't been able to find convincing evidence anywhere in the country um, that there's very much that can be successfully done, but we'll talk during the second hour um, okay, about what we could do. I think I think there are some things we can do, but but I I think that um, uh, I I I think that it, that when I got on the council uh, quite a long time ago, I was horrified by the by the. Uh, non-positive closures and the rate at, at which they operated, but I'm I'm not so horrified now as I used to be. Oh, I, I still am. Uh, when I was there before, maybe twenty years ago, fifteen years ago, um, the rate was better. It wasn't it wasn't much above fifty percent, but at least it was above fifty percent. Um, so I think uh, I don't know. I don't know what our rehab committee does. I saw a white paper a few years ago, but I didn't. I haven't seen anything else. Right. Well, we can talk about that during the second hour. We have a we have a rehab task force. Then they've just put out a white paper. I'm not. Um, it's it's an interesting document. Um, you ought to read it. It's out there. I will read it um, again. Um, the I I don't uh, some of the some of the stuff that was a part of of um, of our rehab policy a few years ago certainly isn't being worked on. And, and I think the areas that you talked about are, are well worth talking about in the second hour. So we will. Okay, sounds good. Thanks, Paul. Thank you. Thank you so much, Miss Penny. All right, Miss Cindy. Diane, you want to unmute, please? Diane. All right. There's lots of Dianes. Let's see which one this one is. Mr. Paul, this is me. Miss Scalzi, <laughs> how are you? <laughs> I'm good. Um, Excellent. I think my dream would be, I've only been um, involved with ACB for probably not even two years yet, but um, I would, I have been wanting to um, volunteer for things but the organization seems to have its finger in so many pies that uh, I don't know where I would want to volunteer. And, and I don't know how I would volunteer. At one point, um, I wanted to get involved with um, helping people 
set up their accounts for the convention over the phone. I thought that would be something I would be able to do based Uh on my work experience, you know, and I was told, oh, well, we already have enough people that do that. Um, And, you know, there've been a couple other instances like that. I I am going to be working with um, Peggy Carpenter on something in September, which I, I hope will maybe, um, demonstrate some of my capabilities to people. But, you know, I feel like unless I know somebody um, that can steer me in the right direction, um, I just don't know um, how I would get started in figuring out what I might want to do for the organization. So um, I would like to see some kind of a process where you know, we might find out maybe through the through uh, webinars and things what volunteer opportunities are available besides, obviously, I know about hosting in the community and, you know, facilitating calls and things like that. But I would like to know what other um, opportunities there might be to serve in the organization and how I would go about you know, getting myself out there to um, take advantage of opportunities that there might be. I think um, I think you'll you'll definitely be back in the second hour, so don't go away. Okay. <laughs> Thank you, dear. Miss Cindy. Yeah. Okay. Musi, you want to unmute, please? Can you hear me now? We can. Okay. Well, mine is a little bit, um, I don't know, dreamlike. I just think that we should be more connected with other blind organizations around the world. I mean, uh, the International is right up in Canada, I saw. And there's a um, European Union one. I just think we should attend each other's conventions and get to know more people around the world. (laughs) Well, we are... We are members of um, of the World Blind Union. Right. We, um, we are a part of the North American and Caribbean region. Uh-huh. Um, right now, Kim Charleston and Mitch Pomerantz have been our representatives, but I think that um, Dan Spoon uh, will be will be taking over sometime soon. Um, for uh, I think for. For, for one of one of the two of them, I don't remember which, um, and one of them, uh, Kim, I think, um, is is now president of North American Caribbean region. So mm-hmm. we're we're pretty involved with with the World Blind Union. I think um, we can sure talk about it more in the in the second hour. Should we be more involved with um, the NFB or with blinded veterans? Well, I, I mean, we attend their conventions. Does anyone attend our conventions from another country? Yes. Um, okay. We have, um, there is, a, we have an, an, an international committee that's chaired by um, Sandra Sermons at the moment. Um, and she usually does, and you can find it this year, uh, what what's called an international luncheon, where people who are from different countries and who are attending the convention um, um, get an opportunity to tell us about what uh, 
what stuff is is like where they are okay. so you mm -hmm. might want to um you might want to look for that in the program uh okay. upcoming at the convention and attend that to see who's here okay thank you um you're welcome and thank you for your idea we may get to it in the second hour if we if if we don't run out of stuff because i think I think how much we collaborate with other organizations is an important question. And of course, the other, the other thing that you didn't talk about, but that we certainly could is, should we be collaborating more with other disability organizations, not oh. necessarily blindness specific? Mm -hmm. okay. So that's mm -hmm. probably another question and another kind of basic tenet that uh that, that we need to explore at some point but thank you thank you uh-huh miss cindy debbie green you want to unmute please miss debbie okay there you go debbie all the zoom webinars we can hear you miss debbie okay we good um, I want to I want to kind of build on what uh, Connie said earlier. Um, in there is, and I don't know this, Paul, for sure, but has there been an uptick in the membership of ACB over the last year or two since we've been doing Zooms and community calls? Yep. I I think so, and I and I think that though I don't I don't have the the statistics i i think it would probably be accurate to say that 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 while there has been an uptake in membership of some affiliates particularly some special interest affiliates i know that brl and lua have both seen an increase in membership most of the new members have probably joined as at large acb members okay um i'm i'm one of those um yep. and I'm I'm just absolutely thrilled with with what you guys are doing and and wish I could have been here 20 years ago. But we do too. <laughs> that's so kind. Um, there there may be some there may be some value in helping um, us newbies um, get uh, get assimilated in into into the group a little quicker. Um, I'm I'm reading uh, People of Vision and I'm listening. I'm, I'm on the Zoom on Tuesdays at one, you know, learning the history. Um, I'm I'm involved in actually two different states um, uh, in 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 their in their groups and and am loving it. But but there might be some value. And Connie had talked about having the young people finding a way for the young people to, to get assimilated and learn, but there, but it may, it may need to broaden to just any new person. Um, I think, I think new member treatment is a really, is a really good, good idea for us to consider, you know, what should we do? Should we create a men mentoring system, for instance, where we assign um, a, a, somebody who's been a member for a while um, to mm -hmm. work with that individual? or should we create a system where there's a new member kit yes. that provides people with all kinds of information about acb or should we do both so stay stay tuned for the second hour and we'll talk about ideas that will make that that will make this work and paul one other thing 
Yes. Is there is there an affiliate for friends of ACB folks? So like, let's say my daughter um, uh, or my grandchildren or other you know people who have blind people in their lives and would love to be connected with other people who have blind people in their lives <laughs> um, as, as kind of an affiliate. I don't know if there'd be any value in that the, or not. The, there, there isn't at the moment. It's an interesting idea. Let's talk about it during the second hour and see what see what other people think okay. about about the idea of putting it together. I know, um, you know, we have constitutional rules that say that fifty percent of our members have to be blind, and fifty percent of the members of most of the affiliates that we would accept would probably have to be blind. But that there's no reason why. There's no reason why we couldn't um, create an exceptional affiliate where that wouldn't be the case. If if there was if there was benefit to be found by doing it, so I think it's a I think it's a really interesting idea. Let's let's think about it next hour. Okay, thank you. Thank you, you a lot, Miss Cindy. Chanel, you may unmute. Hello and good evening. Hi there. Hi, I am Chanel and I am an ACB community host. I have really been enjoying listening to the candidates forums and all these things. I am also fairly new to ACB and I just simply want to concur with what Diane has stated about uh, desiring to know how to volunteer more with the ACB. And particularly, are there volunteer opportunities for those of us who wish to participate virtually. And it was just really striking. I, I, I have so many thoughts going through my head, but last week, um, somebody mentioned how you could talk to 10 different members in the ACB and get 10 different definitions of what the ACB is about, what it does. So I think just exploring that a little bit would be great. Um, really getting a consensus for new members. Okay, what, how could we, how could we help? What, what could we do? Um, I enjoyed the candidate discussions about really, you know, trying to tailor the opportunities to the individual's needs. And I even had the crazy idea that it'd be fun to have a, well, I don't know about fun because affiliate, creating an affiliate is quite a bit of work, but a community affiliate <laughs> <laughs> but I suppose most of the people would be, you know, from are already part of their states or part of their um, cities or whatever. So that may not be practical, but I thank you for having this forum and I will just continue to listen. Thank you, Ms. Sinar. Where, where are you from? I live in Texas. I am not Ex from Texas, but I live Excellent. in Texas. Um, I think the idea of creating a... I, I'm I'm calling it a community affiliate, but I think it's an interesting one. Maybe an affiliate of maybe an affiliate of but large members. Maybe an, you know rather than rather than one strictly based yeah. on community calls. But would there are the there, friends of ACB? I love that idea. Just that, mentioned. That, yeah, that idea is certainly interesting. Um, Cool. Thank you very much. Stick around. You. If you have ideas during the second hour, please feel free to jump in. And I'm so glad that um, so many of you guys who are relatively new to ACB um, are are actually um, 
are actually tuning in. And I was going to mention to you, and I, I guess it's it's around. <clears throat> we did, and I, I'm I'm sort of blowing my own horn, but the the last no last year's Florida Council of the Blind convention did a a program early on Saturday morning that went on for an, an hour or, or a little longer <clears throat> that had um, a number of ACB's past presidents as panelists. Um, and it's available as a podcast. Um, and, and you might find it interesting because some of us who have been ACB presidents had very different notions of what the role of the presidency was. And it was a, it, it's a good way of thinking about what the what the organization is all about the and the one thing that i did when i was president was i wrote a lot of messages trying to define um what what acb is and to help people come to terms with that so if you want to go back in in old braille forums um between what 97 and 03 it just shows you how old I am. You might you might find some messages that will begin to answer some of your questions about what we stand for, and how we differ from NFB, for instance. Um, so, yeah. Anyway, thank you. Sure. Excellent. Thank you for your call, Miss Cindy. Jane, you may unmute. Jane T. Another Jane. Are you hearing me now? Yes, we are. All right. First of all, if they start a group for at-large members, they ought to call it Living Large. Woohoo! I think so. <laughs> and to you, is it Chanel, who's in Texas? We just recently moved back to Minnesota for family stuff. But boy, I miss Texas. So all the best to you there. Um, the two things I feel strongly about uh, one, their questions. First of all, is there a Braille list available naming all of the affiliates? If that is true, I want to get one. I'm not very good at going online and hunting and pecking around, but I'm very good at finding a place to contribute once I can see a list and think it through. So that's a question I have. I think that basic information about ACB should be more accessible than I feel it is. And the other thing is I'd love a list of all of the, um, the Zoom, the virtual meetings that are going on so I can plug in better to some of that. And I think those are concrete down-to-earth steps that we can help get done that will help a lot of people. I'm going to mute myself again. So thank yeah, you. Just before you do, okay. um, let's talk a little bit more uh, about your question. Um, one of the things that, that you'll get as a part of your Braille program um, is, a, is a list of ACB affiliates. I don't think there is... I don't think, however, that there is a list of officers or contact people that you right. can get to. Um, I think that if you use that list mm -hmm. um, that in work. the program, it would it would give you an idea of what of what the interest elements of those affiliates are, 
And then if you call our national office, they can give you a contact person for any of the affiliates that you're interested in. Um, I think, though, you're right that that there is this there is this huge question Mm -hmm. and 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 we really probably just need to put the question itself on the table Um, and that question is how do we accommodate the needs of two different populations one of those populations are are folks who are becoming pretty competent with uh using technology but the other are folks who for a variety of reasons are not competent really want information made available in other ways we've we've certainly um we've certainly always tried to recognize that there are these two populations and Mm -hmm. and and there are a lot of people within acb who have championed the needs and the rights of the the population that that aren't that aren't computer competent that aren't computer capable mm-hmm. um you know that the the, the, yeah. the sort of folks that miss miller's um call earlier was was all mm-hmm. about but i think i think that i'm i'm not sure um how we can do better um because there, there is so much more information that we're putting out there than we've ever put out there before. Yes. Um, and so, part of the question is: Do you make do you make a rule that says, for instance, that any information you're putting out on email you have to make available in alternative formats as well? No, I, I don't think so. Because I understand the enormous amount of information that is available and some of it i get to all you know there just needs to be something very basic that gives people access so if they call a national number they can say i'm very interested in the veterans association i'm interested in people right blah 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 so try um a couple of things that Mm -hmm. that that i recommend that that you do first the, the, the approach that I suggested in terms of, yep. and, and probably not every affiliate is going to be there, but virtually all of them will be. But the second thing that you might also want to consider is um, find out when board of publications meetings are happening and mm. attend some of those because they're responsible for um, okay. everything that gets published. And one of the things they do every month is they offer an opportunity for folks who aren't members of the board of publications to provide input to the group. And one of the things that mm. that um, the BOP has and that you could get is a policy manual that actually talks about what our policies are with regard oh. to things like large print and okay. um, what needs to be made available in Braille and, and mm. how we draw the lines uh, between stuff that gets, that, that gets done um, that gets done only with via email and stuff that that must right. be put in braille, that kind of yeah. stuff. So, all right. those are um, those are all spots where you can get information. So, I will get yeah. information. Thanks, Paul. You're very welcome. Thank you, Cindy, for letting me unmute. Now I'm going away. <laughs> I'm shutting up. Very right. good, Miss Cindy. And now we have another phone number five zero five area code five zero five. Ending in six three eight. You may unmute. 
I used to know where all the okay. area codes are. Yes, this is Beth from New Mexico. Hi. And uh, hi. I agree with the uh, public uh, pedestrian safety thing because uh, uh -huh. all across the country, including and especially in our state, they're doing these um, the bike lanes and the you know the floating bus stops and things like that and uh, and uh, these we have a lot of we're a border state so we have a lot of foreign drivers and they don't know the laws to here and and um one, one of the thing. laws they don't know are white cane laws <laughs> exactly yep exactly but then uh bike lanes sometimes aren't aren't any good if they're if they're between the bus stop and the sidewalk I, I, because I, inevitably one of those people will try come and drive try and drive between between them or or you know try and beat the light that's what they oh, like to do oh that's scary and um, thank, yes it is scary yeah. thank you Ms. and Beth. um and also i agree with the uh, -huh. uh like the new i've i've only been a member for of acb for well possibly three years uh -huh. and i just rejoined again um to where there is a list of affiliates and a list of stuff that uh, that we could volunteer for and volunteer and um, and join, but in in Braille, you know, because I'm not that computer savvy either. Yep. No, I hear you. The last computer I, I, I had was a Windows Seven. Everybody tells me, well, no, you'll have to get retrained and uh, rehab is not retraining older seniors or even training seniors for for jobs because of that WIOA thing and that's crazy because uh 66 is full retirement age after that you could you could make as much money as you want to and still get your social security and they're not they're not retraining any of us well, and I, I think, think that would be good I think that's a I think that's a good point and we'll probably discuss that during the second hour um older people and training to use technology and and employment and Excellent. now and now because of covid you could even work from home you know uh, the the thing from our state was we want you to have integrated competitive employment my aunt was working for the federal government and she cited and she was working from home yeah, well, there's a lot of stuff that if you learn how to use a computer or yep. technology, you could yep. work from home. Yep. Thank you, Miss Beth. We appreciate it. Miss um, Cindy. Okay. Um, that is it. There are no more raised hands. Oh, that's exciting. How is that for timing? That timing was perfect. And, and, it, and it is now almost 8 o'clock. So we have a lot of ideas um, that have been put forward <coughs> for the fun of it. Um, well, first I should really ask, Cindy, do you, have, do you have some ideas you'd like to add? Well, I'll tell you, Paul, these topics, every single one was just, I mean, you can't say no to any of them. They were all so good, but you they, know what? Yep. 
I've been out there and done some of this uh, floating bus stop work along Terry, and I've worked with Montgomery County, Maryland, and uh-huh. our floating bus stop future and Vision Zero. And I'm going to tell you, those floating bus stops, we are, they are setting up, we have what's called shared, where you walk from the natural curb where the shelter is out to a very narrow platform to stand to wait for the bus. Uh, my dog would not go. She just would not because they're not trained. And could a car get through there when Beth said that? No, they're only either eight to 10 feet wide. Eh, yes, probably, possibly. They could give it a shot. And they are dangerous. They really, really are. And we're fighting it. We want a moratorium put on them uh-huh. in Maryland. But it's, we're not winning. But everything was excellent. I really, you kept me awake this whole hour. <laughs> there you go. So I, I want to talk about two or three things that, that so far have not um, been put on the list. One of the, uh, one of the things that's come out of a number of studies um, that, that have been published over the past um, few years is that where we can make the most impact in terms of changing lives is getting involved with children that is kids who are who are not yet fully grown and fully developed now clearly that's not something that a consumer organization of blind people would typically work on but i think that if if we take the the idea of mentoring for instance there are a lot of us who are braille readers who know more about um how to read Braille and how to be effective at it and who can be role models um, than than there are among, say, sighted teachers of the visually impaired. And if we could set up a system where we could start to mentor kids. But more importantly, I think we ought to think about um, what are some of the areas where kids are falling behind, lack of community education and vocational education, for instance, um, not getting enough opportunities to interact with other blind people might be another issue and a whole range of, uh, a whole range of things. And I'm thinking that there may be some value in developing what would amount to um, a, a white paper that we could share with our affiliates on what we can do um, to assure that kids who are blind um, are are more fully included and um, are are offered opportunities to have a, a range of success that they're that they're not currently having. So that that's one thing that that I'd like to at least put on our list for consideration of uh, new ideas. <clears throat> the second thing, and um, I'll probably just do two. The second thing that that I haven't heard very much um, discussion about is folks who have uh, other disabilities as well as visual impairments. I think there are three populations that are are particularly relevant. I think those folks who are deafblind, and I know we have the SASE committee, and it does a lot of good work. That's the Sight and Sound Committee. Um, but, um, but I think we can do more. 
Um, I also think there are huge population, and this may be one of the reasons, Penny, for um, the rise in the number of folks for non-positive closures in rehab. There are a large number of people who are now receiving services who are multiply disabled. That is, they may have intellectual disabilities um, and therefore are, are perhaps harder to place than, than they were. But I don't think we're doing much of a job of encourage them, encouraging them to be part of our consumer organization either. Um, and, the, and the third group um, are folks who have physical difficulties. And this particularly applies, I think, um, to older people, because the truth is that all of us who are getting older uh, are almost certainly um, going to have additional difficulties rather than just having visual problems. So there are two subgroups here that I think we need to seriously consider. Uh, one are folks who have been healthy all their lives, but who suddenly lose vision, but don't just lose vision because there are other problems that they operate with when they get older as well. Um, could be heart conditions, could be um, breathing issues, could be a whole range of other things. But the fact is, um, but the fact is, the older we get, the more likely we are to suffer from multiple disabilities. And I'm not sure that we're that we're doing as much to recognize that and to begin to build systems that are ensuring um, that we have that. And of course, the other population are those of us who are, have been blind all our lives, but, but who are um, beginning to have other difficulties as we get older. So those are some of the areas that, that I think ACB could look at becoming more involved in and, um, and making some other elements. So <clears throat> I think that takes us to the end of uh, uh, to the the end of that of of the 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 list of ideas um and i i think one of the ideas that came up a lot um was the idea of mentoring um so um i'm going to talk for a minute or two about mentoring and then i'm going to um uh, ask Miss Cindy to look for raised hands who'd like to talk about mentoring. Uh, I've always thought that mentoring is something that ACB should become more involved in, not just with new members, but with older members as well. You know, I've talked about some of the areas where I think mentors can be helpful, but I'm not sure that we have at the moment. Um, a really good training program um, that that in fact trains mentors. Um, my local lighthouse in Miami, when I was living down there, actually applied for a state grant um, to run a mentoring program where those of us who are already working um, acted as mentors for folks who were enrolled at the lighthouse. Um, but even though I think we did a good job and, and many of the folks who were enrolled in the Lighthouse did in fact end up getting jobs and it was a successful program, I don't think that we provided the kind of training and what a mentor is supposed to do 
that ought to happen. Um, so I think there are a few questions that we need to ask about mentoring. What's the best way to uh, implement it? Are there resources out there that we can use? Um, should should uh, the national office take the leadership in providing mentoring training or should it be done through special interest affiliates? Um, how do we how do we recruit mentors but perhaps more importantly especially since we're 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 perhaps finding it harder to to find folks um at the at the lower end of the spectrum how do we how do we find mentees so i think both of those questions are out there so let's talk some more about mentoring let's see who would like to join the discussion uh, about mentoring, which was one of our major ideas for the last hour. Ms. Cindy. Connie Bateman, do you want to unmute, please? Ms. Connie. All right. Well, now I've had some time to think about this. So I want to talk about two main areas. One is the area you, you brought up, Paul, which is training, and the other area is resources. Mm -hmm. So in terms of training, I think we could form a mentorship task force that would develop guidelines for defining what is a mentor and what should a mentor do. Then we could have workshops during the ACB conventions, either virtually or in person, uh, to to train people how to mentor people how to you know to to explain okay what is a mentor what is what what is a mentor and what a me mentor is not and to train people you know during workshops at the conventions um so that th those are a couple of possibilities for training now in terms of resources we have tons of them uh for example we have the acb community calls we could have a call maybe every other week or maybe once a month that is co-sponsored by a couple of special interest affiliates. For example, we could have a call that's co-sponsored by uh, Alliance on Aging and Vision Loss and, and ACB students. And, and the facilitator would have, you know, a few questions um, that, that um, people could discuss on the call. Or, you know, we could have a, a call co-sponsored by Visibilities, Visually Impaired Senior Abilities and Next mm -hmm. Generation. And we could do the same thing, you know, just uh, pose a list of questions to discuss. Um, we have a presence on a couple of social media platforms. For example, uh, ACB has a presence on Clubhouse now. So mm -hmm. someone, so within the ACB club, someone could start a room, uh, a mentorship room, and people could come in there and ask specific questions or bring up specific concerns and, and people could mentor them kind of on an informal basis the truth um, is there there are probably some mainstream mentorship rooms in clubhouse now yeah but that's not to mentor specifically blind or visually yeah, but, impaired but i don't know that i don't know that it would be useless though i mean aren't aren't the principles of mentoring going to be the same yes but we're talking specifically about mentoring people um to get more involved in acb which I think is very different from just your mainstream mentoring. Yes, the principles are the same, 
but we're talking about a specific need here, and that is to get people more involved in ACB. And we, we also have a presence on Facebook. So, you know, someone could start a Facebook group on, on mentoring and people could post questions or concerns and other people could respond to them. So those are just some ideas I'm throwing out. And I think they're possible. Yep. Yep. So, um, so very good. Uh, you know, one of the, one of the things that, um, that, that could be considered is actually a, a resolution that would, that would speak to the need for mentoring and, and um, would instruct ACB to work on it. So give it some thought. Okay. I might actually write one and get some, maybe get some assistance from people like you or Jeff Tom to, uh-huh. to kind of, it, you know, to kind of yep. clean it up and yep. edit. And Absolutely. I haven't done that since I was a student. So better, I better brush up. <laughs> Now that I'm it's retired, time. I have now exactly. that I'm retired, I have time. <laughs> exactly. All right. Thank you, Miss Connie. Appreciate it. Anybody else want to talk about mentoring, Miss yes. Cindy? Meryl, you may unmute. Hey, Meryl. Can you hear me? We I can, but Miss Schechter, how are you? <laughs> Fine, Paul. Hi, moment. Cindy. Hi. Uh, I just wanted to say that first of all. Cindy has been a great mentor to me and continues to be. So I want to thank you very much. And uh, I am in the process. I have started mentoring someone in our chapter. And she just had exposure to, she was never able to attend a national convention. So she heard it virtually last year and it's going to be, uh, you know, she registered and she'll be hearing it again this year, and she has thanked me for teaching her a lot of things. And also, I was the chair of our convention committee from Maryland, and she was on our committee. And she did a fantastic job, and she didn't think that she could do it. She didn't have the confidence, and then I instilled confidence in her. And so I am so grateful. And I guess since I became a J.P. Morgan Chase Leadership Fellow last year, I've just been blossoming and doing so much and helping others. So I'm going to continue to do that. So thank you, Miss so Merrill. That's excellent. So yeah. we can count on you to work on mentoring yes. when it gets set up. Excellent. Absolutely. All right. Mm-hmm. Thank you, dear. Yep. Miss Cindy. Okay. Uh, now. I know we have two best, one with a phone number. This one does not have a phone number, so she must be on her iPhone or on her computer. So, Beth, you may unmute. Okay. Hello, everybody. Great, I, great program. Uh, uh-huh. uh, thank you, Paul, for doing this. I would like to, and this may be kind of on a parallel track to what we're talking about. I'm not sure, but I'll throw it out there anyway. I would like to see some uh, PSAs, public service announcements for radio and TV. I mean, you hear them all the time for St. Jude's Hospital. You hear them for Wounded Warrior Project. Uh, That could be a way to get people interested in ACB, and it could be a start toward mentoring. The other thing that I was going to say was I consider the community calls already to be mentoring because they are one in particular um, 
is helping me. It's the one about being blind from birth. And it is helping me to uh, learn from other people about their experiences. I'm also doing research on my own on prematurity, retinopathy, prematurity, and things like that, learning things that I never knew from that. So those are just two, uh, two things I wanted to throw out there. Excellent. Thank you, Ms. Beth. Um, it, it, it really is interesting. You know, there, there have been times in the past where we have um, spent a fair amount of money um, putting together PSAs, uh, both video ones and audio ones. I'm, I'm not sure... I'm not sure that we've done it really since the explosion of technology that makes the production of video and audio much easier. But um, our our difficulty or at, at, at has been getting radio stations to play them. Um, we have just we we have just not found that we get a lot of bang for our buck, or at least that was certainly my experience 15 or 20 years ago. I don't know what's been done in the last 10 years. So, so I, I don't and was, know. Was whether... that true for TV stations as well? Oh yeah. TV stations. I hear them all the time for other things. Yeah. I, I, I think though that those places <coughs> actually hire people to get their stuff um, put on as PSAs. Um, and I'm not sure we could afford to do that. But but it, I, I think you're right to raise the question. That is, why is it that other places like St. Jude's Hospital and that kind of thing um, get heard, um, but but uh, but the ACB ones don't get heard because there, there are some out there and, and there are a lot of state affiliates who've done them as well. I know Florida... Florida has several PSAs on our, our, our website, but we just can't get radio stations to carry them. Um, so it's interesting. But I think it's a really good idea. Thank you so much, Ms. Beth. Okay. Welcome. All right. So mentoring, let's see if we have anybody else. Miss Cindy? Penny, you may unmute. Miss Penny. I, I found the button. Uh, so. Um, I was thinking of in terms of mentoring more in terms of people who are blind, who need some help just getting through the advent of blindness. Um, there's kids and there are families and people who care about their, their friends and relatives who are blind. Um, and I was thinking maybe if we partnered with some other organizations, it might be if we, if we made our, you know, our willingness to be mentors known, that yeah. might be a way to start. I was thinking of the Vision Serve Alliance mm -hmm. uh, because they have all the um, the support groups that a AFB used to have. Also, uh, the Prevention of Blindness Society does support groups for older adults all over the country, and they're really excellent. And APH, of course, is in touch with students. So maybe that's a way to get started. I mean, I think it's great if we want to mentor people like Meryl is doing to help them get more involved in ACB, but we need to mentor people who don't even know who ACB is because there's the people I remember I grew up knowing nothing about blindness. I never knew another blind person and it's a lonely existence and you don't know really what to do and you hope you're doing the right thing. And most of the time you're pretending you're not blind. Um, we need to help people in that situation. So uh, um, It was, uh, it was interesting ahead. because one of the groups 
that that we used to work with, and you probably remember, was um, was the the, the uh, a national parents group who used I to do. run a, yep. yep a track um, in conjunction with our convention, and it was really it was really helpful and appropriate to be involved with them. Unfortunately, they disappeared. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they've they've been absorbed by um, a local lighthouse, and um, oh, really? Yeah, in, which, in New York. Which one? Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh. Well, they're not doing much else, so maybe no. it's because they're doing that. Um, you know, what? some of our affiliates also do a good job of mentoring. JDY does a great job of mentoring. Uh, we yes. have a, a group of people called empathizers. And in any stage of the guide dog process, whether or not you're thinking about getting one or your family wants to feed your dog Oreo cookies, you can call us and we can, we've been there and done that and we can provide good advice. And so um, I'm sure AAVL could do a mentoring program as well. Um, mm-hmm. BRL certainly can teach people how to use Braille. Uh, so there's, it's, we're doing some of it, but we can certainly expand. Thank you. Yeah, I think I think that w- w- what I'm thinking about is uh, what I'm thinking of is that is that perhaps we need to do more um, to um, to broaden mentoring into a kind of a core a core issue that ACB adopts and and then spread it to the other affiliates. Um, and make, make it known, make down. it known, yeah. make people know that what we're doing, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I, so, I agree with you. I think it's a good idea. I, yep, uh, and I just want to comment on Terry's 800 number idea. I mean, we're getting a substantial amount of money and exposure from Ver, uh, Verizon. Um, they like us. Um, they're not the only phone company in, in the world. I mean, it could be a grant fund, funded, at least to it, begin it with. Could, it could be. It could be, and it, it it would be. Um, I think it's certainly worth exploring anymore. Um, it it um, it it was too expensive when we were talking about it um, when God was little, but um, <laughs> <laughs> but it, it now may be quite possible. It so, might be. Sarah. Thank thank you, Miss Penny. You're welcome, Paul. Mm-hmm. Let's take two more calls on mentoring, Miss Cindy, and then we're going to okay. move on. Terry, you may unmute. Terry. I just wanted to say, um, Connie's idea, I would be more than happy to uh, have uh, uh, something to do with mentoring on visibilities. Right. Um, I think, you know, I I had hoped that we would do that with Next Generation. If someone's got a better connection with them for doing something like that, to see if they even have an interest in it, I would be more than happy to to do that. Maybe even, even if I did it one Friday night a month. Um, something like that with visibilities, I'd be more than happy. Yeah, the very quick thing I want to say is when we get to pedestrian safety, probably the person who's carrying the banner higher than that than anyone else in this area concerning pedestrian safety, I believe is on the call now and is uh, Sue Crawford. Okay. So just so that Cindy's aware to uh, look for her when you when you get to that topic thanks well actually actually we're probably about there if we if we want to try to cover most that we're that we're going to so miss cindy do we have um, sue crawford on here i uh, let me go down here and look it's always okay. harder susan is that you it probably you is may unmute. hey sue 
You can educate us some. Okay. Okay, there you go, Susan. Okay. Hi, this is Sue. Hi. Can you hear me? We yes. can. Hi. I'm sorry. I, I joined I joined when Penny was talking uh the first yeah, about ten minutes ago. So we're talking about issues that are important for ACB to address. And, we are that, and, that we're not in particularly some pedestrian safety issues were brought up, including bike lanes and floating bus stops. Right, right. And of course, you know, pedestrian safety was one of the big reasons that Charlie was interested in coming down to D.C. to work nationally with ACB, among other things. But mm -hmm. um, And so we worked a lot on the APSs, but now, of course, so many jurisdictions are installing the protected bike lanes. So that's those are usually, not always, but usually bike lanes um, often two directional bike lanes on one side of the street. So you have a sidewalk, curb, and then two directions, a bike lane, and then you have the street after that. So as a blind person, it's hard to know which streets have bike lanes, which streets don't. If they have them, which side of the street is it? And then they place the bus stop, they move it out to an island beyond the bike line lanes. And then you have to cross you know, two lanes of bike lanes with, with bicycles and scooters coming from either direction, which I think is, is hard enough to cross one lane, I think, because you can't hear bikes or scooters, but then to have to try and, and figure out if anyone's coming from the from your right as well as your left, I think is, is really problematic. And the Montgomery County, Maryland, which is welcoming, the, the engineers are are welcoming feedback. They're very cordial, very welcoming, but they're dismissing almost everything we say. <laughs> you know, so you know they they keep saying, "Oh, this is great. We love the feedback. We love the feedback." Oh, but no, no, we're not going to do that. So I think it's a significant problem, and I know that there are jobs I've had in my life that I would not be able to do now because it'd be hard, it'd be difficult, if not impossible, to have any sense that when you go into an area, how you would find a bus stop. Um, because what, they move the shelter and everything to the island. What is the what is the logic of the floating bus stop, Sue? They they want to protect. What, what I was first told is they wanted to protect bicyclists from being hit by buses. That's what I was told originally. And so you know because buses they're drive you know rolling down the street and then they pull up to the curb. Well, bicyclists are usually along the curb, so they wanted to for Vision Zero, you know, provide for greater right. safety for bicyclists or cyclists. So um, Charlie's view, my view, is that as much as possible, they should place the protected bike lanes. We're all in favor of protected bike lanes. Put them in the center of the street and have them be protected. And then the buses could still go along the, the lane right next to the sidewalks. But there are some places on Pennsylvania Ave in D.C., on Irving, on Irving Avenue is Irving Street in D.C. There are some places where they do place them in the center street, but Montgomery County seems really determined to put them um, on the side, and 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 it's just on one side because they think it's more cost-effective to put them on one side because then they don't have to do a floating bus stop on two sides. But then they move everything to the island, so you'd have no way of knowing um, where the bus stop is. Now, they're talking about Okay, well, well, we'll have one end of the island will be um, will be uh, a butt um, a crosswalk with an APS, so then you could know there because maybe the APS might say uh, cross you know light uh, whatever walk sign to cross Main Street 
uh, with with Bus Island or whatever. The problem is all these islands are really long. And so you're always going to have two entrances to the island and buses always pull up to the front of the island. So even if you did that, uh, most of the ones we've heard about, they those APSs are at the back of the island. Most people, if, if you're in a rush, you just need to use the entrance near the front of the bus because you don't need, it's, it's, it's not, it's, I think it's dangerous in general for people. They're not well lit. There's no trees. I mean, forget about trees. I mean, and all the shade and everything. Mm-hmm. That's not happening. I, I think it's, I, you know, I, I think people riding buses is not a high priority, um, even though they're throwing a lot of money at it, as cyclists are. So <clears throat> what do you think ACB should do about it? I would like ACB to uh, to pass a resolution and then for the board to make it a priority, one of the priorities to really advocate uh, with the access board because there are no there are no standards, although the ADA absolutely applies um, all the you know because they're the standards and the re- and the regulations and the two of them together um, comprise the ADA. but they have not yet developed standards for this. And so that would be the access board. Then it goes to DOT, um, and um, I would like I would like ACB to work on this. And I know this isn't going to affect people in rural areas, but boy, I, they're pretty much everywhere now. The, these protected bike lanes, which you know, it makes Excellent. it makes makes mobility very difficult for blind people who want to get around and not travel on paratransit. Excellent. Thank you so much. We Thank appreciate you. it. Thank, Thank you, you very much. Yep. All right. Um, I guess that um, let's just sort of open it up, Miss Cindy, and see what people want to talk about for the rest. Because a lot of them, we, we've talked about roundabouts, and we've talked about um, we've talked about some of the other stuff. So let's see let's see where people want to go from here. Okay, Diane, you may unmute. Yes, okay. Um, Well, it sounds to me, for one thing, like um, Diane here needs some uh, more mobility lessons because uh, certainly a lot of this stuff did not exist back when I had orientation and mobility. Um, But the thing I wanted to mention, you know, you were asking about... um, running a mentoring program Mm -hmm. and i i think that um the that acb national should certainly um oversee the mentoring program and follow up with its progress um the mentors could actually come you know from the various um special interest affiliates and other affiliates yep. of of acb but um you know i i think that there would need to be somebody looking out for the whole program and following up you know if there's if there's areas maybe that need strengthening uh-huh. um and that sort of thing i think that's a i i think that's that's a good thing to add so that so that it might be that mentoring would be for the most part operated by special interest affiliates in their area of interest, but that, uh, but that we may need some kind of a national coordination system um, that would pull all the mentoring together and maybe provide some, 
general oversight and training. Yeah? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Good. Thank, Thank you, you Miss Diane. Miss Jamaica, you want to unmute, please? Ms. Miller, how are you? Welcome back. Good, good evening, everybody. Um, this is Jamaica, and I wanted to let you all know that I have done a little bit of trying to mentor here in here in here in my um, local area. Here, um, there was a, a a couple of posts on uh, an app called Nextdoor, which I don't know if any of you know about that, but it's a it's a thing that you can communicate with people on on your computer through uh-huh. um in your in your neighborhoods and so i found out that there's two people that might be joining might be joining the acp at some point so um i wanted to let you know about and the second thing is that i think is that i think is a very important uh thing to think about is if people are wanting to be um if wanting if people are wanting to be officers of a of a of a group and you and you actually um and you actually get 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 you actually get to be an officer of 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 a group but you don't really have any you don't really have any uh responsibilities on it i think we really need to work on making sure that all the offices at least at least have at least make sure that that they that the officers know what they're supposed to be doing because I did not I did not know what I was what I was what what I was supposed to be doing for my for my uh for my officership this 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 past officership so uh, nice so. Um, um- that's a really good idea. I know our membership committee has done some work on that. Artist Bazin, um, who was chairing our membership committee for a long time, I, I guess she still is, um, has actually put together, um, and and they're available on our website, a series of um, articles uh, or booklets or whatever uh, on the duties and functions of each officer in in uh, local chapters and state affiliates and that kind of stuff. Um, so Jamaica, you might look on our website um, and and try to read it that way. Or if not, um, call the national office and ask them to put you in touch with artists. And I'm sure she can send you text versions or or somehow find a way of of communicating um, those documents to you. But they're there, and they're really handy to, to read um, before or before or at the same time as you start to serve as an officer. So right. um, the fact is they're out there, and um, I think it would be cool if you could get hold of them. Okay. Thank you. Thank you so much. I will, I will definitely do that, but I just thought I would mention it as part, th- of, the, as part of the mentoring program. I think, you know. I think that's excellent. Thank you, dear. Yeah. Excellent. Thanks, Jamaica. All right. Okay. Who is that? Pam Coffee. Miss Coffee, how are you? Hmm? Pam's going to get here. I have yeah. faith in her. 
though, though her phone is sometimes cantankerous. I know. Okay, there you go, Pam. Yeah, I couldn't there unmute until I got the until I got the alert. <laughs> uh, and I hope my internet doesn't go out during this because guess what? We're getting a thunderstorm. Uh, uh -oh. But I'll try to make it very brief. Uh, back to the mobility related issue. Uh, where I live, never mind the bike lanes, never mind the roundabouts, there aren't any of those where I live. But there on, on my street, there are no traffic signals, either uh, audible or otherwise. And I know several, well, it was maybe eight or nine months ago, I was trying to go from home to a certain little destination that should be a very nice, safe walk. Mm -hmm. But because there are no traffic signals, I waited probably 20 minutes or more hoping to get across this particular street. And never did the traffic let up enough and of course there's right on red you never you know they're all doing all kind of weird well it would be right on red if there were a traffic signal they're making a right anyway uh, because there is no signal and so it's very frustrating i was never ever never able to get to that place because i was pressed for time i had to go back home i called the um chamber of commerce i wasn't sure who to call so I called the Chamber of Commerce. They had me call City Hall. Um, I made my point, or at least I thought I did. And they said, oh, we'll get back in touch with you. Well, that was probably nine months ago. Have I heard anything? No. So, uh, I mean, it, sometimes it's even a matter of there are no traffic signals, period. Now, were you hoping that you would get like an accessible pedestrian signal put on that? on that street because it's as busy as it is? Uh, well, it's really not, it's normally not that busy a street. Uh, there's a, it runs off of a very busy street that mm -hmm. is, there's not much distance between um, my street and the major thoroughfare. Gotcha. So it's but sort of hard the, to hear. You can't, no, you're right. You can't tell where, which, cars are about to do what because you're hearing all the traffic on this on the highway it's actually a highway and um so oh i would love to have a, a an audible signal i mean that would be wonderful but just a signal period i mean you know people have accidents yep. right close to where i live because there are no signals um, well, I think I think the, the the connection is with traffic engineers. So what you might want to try is call City Hall and ask them to put you in touch with their traffic engineers, and they should I, be able. I did talk to City Hall right shortly after this happened, right. and they said they would um, contact, you know, relay it to whoever it needed to go to. Well, that was like I said, that was probably well. It's been more than nine months now. It's been closer to a year. Excellent. I think it's a. I I think it's a. It, it's a serious issue. Uh, 
And I, but I, but I guess what I would do is I'd call city hall and say, uh, I want to talk to a traffic engineer yeah. and see what happens. Well, I then. don't know. I don't know that they would listen to me though, because in this area, the, the everyone worships the car. Well, you know, we, we have a pedestrian safety manual and, um, you can certainly look it up on our website, and and even if okay. even if you can't get to it, you could certainly um, let them know about it, and if and 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 tell them you'd at least like them to read it. And it's in oh, the yeah. process of being revised now, okay. but it but it but at least a lot of the basic issues um, are covered in that manual, and it's a good introduction for traffic engineers like in your town. And it's on the ATD website. Yes, ma'am. Okay, I will find it. I will send it uh, to whoever because it's it's very frustrating uh, that there just there are no traffic signals. Period. Excellent, Miss Pam. Thank Unless you so you much for your call. get on the other side of the highway, and then they have, them, but not well, on this well, side. Oh, no, that's no fun, and it's not going to help <laughs> you. <laughs> not when you want to walk to the pharmacy or the whatever, and. And you don't want to get hit. So, yep. um, yeah. <laughs> thank, thank you, Miss Pam. Thank you so much. Miss mm -hmm. Cindy. Okay, Beth, you may unmute. This is Beth without the phone number. Okay, I am back. Thank you very much. And I wanted to bring up something which has not been brought up yet, and that is the whole voting issue, not ACB voting, but elections as in federal, state, local. And I, it's my understanding that in the state of Virginia, which is where I am, um, there is a way now to vote electronically, but you have to have a printer and you have to be able to sign the envelope. Not everybody has the printer and not everybody could sign the envelope with any kind of, of ease. And I understand that North Carolina has just had a um, settlement where they have complete electronic voting. And I think this is something that we should work on. I've done my part. I'm in contact with advocacy and will continue to be, but I wanted to bring that up. Excellent. There are, there are now, I think, six or seven states that have um, completely accessible voting that is not only um, not only receiving the ballot but also returning it um, which is which is really what you're asking for correct um, and um, and and there are there are beginning to be uh, or there is beginning to be a much broader, um, national consensus that that's what we need to move towards in in all states. Um, so I think you'll see more work being done on that. Um, but but certainly the dream for ACB is 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 living in a society where every person who's blind or has vision impairments can can vote in whatever way they want to as easily and privately and independently as everybody else can. And that's right. really the dream. Yep. Excellent. Miss Beth, thank you very much. Okay. Okay. Miss Cindy. Area code 505, ending in 638. You may unmute. 
Oh, I think that's missed the yeah, other myth. The other myth. <laughs> yeah. Um, yes, I'm very interested in the voting issue, too. Um, a lot of us here don't have the printers or the computers. In fact, um, they asked me for this last election, they asked me if are you going to get a mail-in ballot? And I said, no, because I don't trust anybody to help me fill it out. I'm going to show up in person. And that's exactly what I did. And it's, um, it's what I, did I was as content well, with the. Huh? It's what I did. As yes, well. I was content with the uh, with the Dominion software and. Yeah. And things like that. And what Pam was talking about, that is how. I could walk outside right now and you could hear the cars coming from the major thoroughfare and they turn into these little streets and there are no traffic signals. This is a, this is a little rural military town kind of, um, mm -hmm. but um, there's lights periodically on the, on the street, on the highway. Well, it's, it's like a big highway kind of, Mm -hmm. You know, but on these little side streets, there isn't, and um, it's something else to to try and get across those. Sometimes, uh, like where I live, there is no there is no light. You have to walk either two or three blocks up or two or three blocks down. So I wonder if we, to, I wonder if we if we if we need perhaps more orientation mobility training as well are there some special techniques that might work for for getting across some of the streets um, that that you're talking about well i i had very good mobility training i even had a guide dog at one time yep but of course dogs don't last as long as humans do <laughs> this um, is true and uh and when I talk to the traffic engineers, just like the same thing, when I talk to a restaurant uh, vending thing about a Coke machine, they're like, uh, why, sh why should we put these audible signals here? Or, you know, there's only a few of you. Uh -huh. And those cost money. Uh, the same thing when the reason I use the example about the... Uh, vending machine was that they told me you you're going to be the only one using it why should we put it in this building well, oh, what, what did you want them to do with the vending machine i wanted what? a um, coke machine with uh, something something you know buttons or braille or you know something telling yeah. you what kind of flavors of coke there was instead of yeah. touch screens or even a touch screen that would talk you know and they didn't want to Got it. Now, did, did they have a touch screen that doesn't talk and that isn't accessible? Yes. <laughs> oh, dear. And and I said, uh, I can't use those, you know, and they said, I said, can't you put can't you put them back the way it was? And they said, no, no. Why? Why? What for? You'd be the only one using it. And I'm like, fine. You don't need my money either. I'm not going to buy from this Coke machine. What uh, what kind of a building is it? That was a uh, rehab facility where I was, but most of the uh, um, most of the vending machines are like that here, in in the different buildings like motels and uh, restaurants, not restaurants, right. but 
there, there's a like big difference. Like those rehab facilities though. and stuff. If if huh? if the rehab facility is a is a Title II facility, that is a facility that's run by state or local government, um, then then you have a pretty strong case to make um, for for them to actually put put an accessible uh, vending machine in in that area. If it's a Title III entity under the ADA, then it's a little harder. But I would certainly explore that a little bit, find out whether where the funding for that facility comes from. And if it is... I, I believe it comes, a lot of it comes from Medicaid and a lot of it did come from the state. I'm out of there now, thank, thank yeah. God. I didn't. Yeah, excellent. But so so you, you would have had a stronger case to make if 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 you if if we had uh, been talking to you about it then so would have been interesting i didn't know that i was talking to acb about about getting out of there then but i didn't realize that because you know since mm -hmm. they told me well excellent that i'd be the only one using it but then uh, i figured well, what about people that come after me but they didn't well, seem to agree no i mean the the the, the truth is that it's it's just as it's just as effective a Coke machine as um, as a touchscreen one is. It's just isn't done the same way. But but if but if I mean there, none of the people who use the touchscreen Coke machine couldn't use the machine that you were asking for. They could use it. So that's really the point. Right. Yeah. No, they just didn't want to. It was very evident that the guy does not want to spend the money to do that. Because yep. supposedly I would be the only one using it. Gotcha. Miss Beth, thank you very much. I'm like, whatever. Exactly. Thank you. <laughs> and sure, go ahead. Uh, go ahead, Miss Cindy, who's next? Okay, Carla, you want to unmute? Carla. Can you hear me? We can. Oh, good. Um, I wanted to get back to two things real quickly. The a combination of the mentoring and getting new members and younger people. And um, just, I, I didn't look at our bylaws in advance of this, but do we have provisions for junior memberships? I know we do in Pennsylvania and our chapter does, and we had a junior member that who was totally blind. And if we could have junior memberships, and I'm saying people that are like um, children that are maybe 13 and up or 14 and up younger than the students, you know, that, you know, that, that we could, that would be a way to mentor and we could um, be paired with them and, and we could help them with school. Um, we could help them with Braille. We could help them with learning how to advocate. Um, and that's always been a dream of mine is to have junior memberships. Because you know what? Someday we're all going to die off and we have to keep this organization going. And we need to start grooming the next generation. And I mean, younger than next gen people. You know what I mean? We need to really start working. And um, sometimes young people need um, um, role models who are blind and, and visually impaired. And I wonder if that's ever been um, you know, given a thought because that would accomplish a lot of things. It would be mentoring and also yep. keeping our membership going. Yeah, I think some some local and state affiliates and special interest affiliates certainly have junior memberships. But the question is, how well are they being implemented um, in in any of those groups? And and secondly, I think um, 
I think the other question that that operates is um, do folks feel like they get enough because most of the junior membership say you can become a member but you can't vote until you're 18 well I think maybe that some things like that need to change um, you know I mean I think that we need to develop junior memberships more and maybe tweak them a little bit more and um, because let's face it, if you have a child, a, um, a child, a high school student in, in public school and it's a rural school or it's a school where they're the only person in that school who's blind or visually impaired, it, it can be a pretty lonely world. They won't oh, have can. The models. Yep. That's what I'm trying to say. I know when I was mainstreamed, I was the only blind student. I was the first totally blind student to graduate both from my school and from my college. And in uh-huh. both cases, I was the only one there and there was no office for visual impairments or special right. needs or resources right. at that time. So I think I think that's one thing we need to do. And then with the rehab thing, I wish we could get away with um, get you know change the system and get away from this business of measuring everything on closures, because let's face it, rehabilitation should be an online or an ongoing lifelong thing because things change. Um, the techniques of daily living change when all of a sudden you can't access your washing machines, for example. And I know sometimes I've had to get extra training for my job as a teacher, you know, because we're going into all of these different Google Classroom and all of that. And so is there a way that that ACB could have as an initiative to maybe um, revamp the rehab program? And maybe instead of measuring in closures, maybe we need to start measuring measuring and goals and terminal goals um, because the closure thing, not everybody's, you know, in it to get employed. And, and, you know, what I'm trying to say there's, oh, but, there's, but there's, there's supposed to be, and that's what part of the problem is. But that's um, why we the, got rid of the, the homemakers and, you know, for the senior citizens. I, I think that's part of the reason. I, I mean, I, I don't think the reason was sufficient. I, I think that, both homemakers and unpaid family workers did a tremendous amount of good for folks who were blind and visually impaired because they created a plateau where folks could could hang for a while and get more training than than they could otherwise get uh, and that they needed in order to be work ready by the time that that they that they essentially went back to rehab when they were when they were ready to go to work because their circumstances had changed um but uh, but i think that um but i think your idea is a good one uh, because i agree with you um i think that almost every blind person um is uh, is going to have ongoing rehabilitation needs um as long as they live because technology changes as you suggest but also because the 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 world around changes and they they don't care about uh about us they require that 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 we be cognizant of those of those systems now you know rehab has um has a system where they allow you to be opened in for what's what are called post-employment services and a lot of us are able to 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 be accommodated by that um but uh 
too many people don't even know about those post-employment services and simply quit their job when they're when it's no longer easy for them to do them that to do the sometimes job. Sometimes they say that you have to say that you can't do your job without it, and that's a risk when you have to uh, make a statement like that. It is a risk. Or the waiting list is just so long that by the time you you get served, it's yep. too late. So I, I just think that needs revamped, and I do think yep. I do wish we could do more with the junior memberships and Excellent. children. So, so And I want to thank you all for putting this on. It's been great. Thank you. I, and, and those are all good ideas. Thank you, Ms. Carla. That's excellent. All right, let's take one more call, Ms. Cindy, and then we're going to have okay. to cut this off. All right, sir. We have area code 608 ending in 219. Hello, Paul. This is Peter. Hey, uh, Peter. I, I, um, I mean, one of my dreams is I, I've seen what NFD is doing with Bell. And, yeah. uh, and that mentoring program, I, you know, I, I really, um, dislike the thought of trying to reinvent the wheel, but I, a dream of mine would be that ACD and NFD would be able to get together on some, some of these educational programs. Um, and so and for, so for folks who don't know, Peter, can you describe the bell program? Uh, the Bell program is uh, what Braille, Braille education, literacy, and learning. Mm-hmm. Um, I think is what that stands for. But mm-hmm. that it, it it's an, uh, the, the uh, NFD has organized to uh, develop a, a uh, intentional mentoring program. They gather uh, young people, especially, um, um, and and make sure that they have the resources that they need for learning Braille and reading Braille um, and writing Braille. Um, you know, I was just talking to somebody today. Um, a six-year-old in Iowa is uh, practicing like crazy because he's trying to, uh, that they have a contest of how many, how, much, how many letters you can read in a certain period of time. And then how many letters, how many, yeah, how many letters you can write on slate and stylus um, in a given time and that they're offering prizes to these kids. Um, it's, it's an amazing, I, I, I think they have an amazing program. Um, and and, it, and it operates at the, generally at the state level or at the local level yes, rather than yes. at the national level, which is one of the things that's really nice about it. It's um, right. Um, it's a pretty cool program, um, and 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 it seems to work well. Though it it appears to depend a lot on who's running it. Um, well, some, it does, and, but yeah. there are there are national there are national guidelines for how there you are. set it up at the yep. state level, so that yep. that you you have um, you know you have have uh, your own um, you know the goals that you that you're you're trying to reach. That it's yep. not like you're trying to develop it each time and i mean i think that i mean we have we have tons of people that are more than qualified and and uh, rather than trying to invent the wheel my dream would be that we would uh, be able to find ways of of uh, cooperative participation yeah i think that would that would be great mr peter i'm gonna have to say goodbye because we're running out of time thank you so much thank you So, ladies and gentlemen, I think this has been an exciting program. I think we've explored lots of ideas. I'm not sure we got 
too many of them into action plans, but I think we've certainly got a list that that uh, that we can be thinking about and some areas um, that we can consider. I think what's most important is to for everyone on this call to remember that ACB is your organization. It isn't just what folks in leadership think ACB ought to become. It's what you guys who are members believe that ACB ought to become. So those of us who are um, who are just members of ACB, um, we should consider ourselves to be empowered. For the next three weeks, there will not be Tuesday topics. Um, next week, I'm having a colonoscopy on the 14th. And on the 13th, I just wasn't sure that I wanted to do a location shot uh, uh, from where I would have to locate it in order to get ready for that colonoscopy. The 20th is our convention, and I think people are going to be phoned out by the 27th. So Tuesday topics, ladies and gentlemen, will return in August. I'd like to thank everybody for your involvement. It's been great. Thank you, and good night. <laughs>